As a flower blooms where it's planted, Pastor Xavier Rees says, God wants to use you right where you're at. God chooses ordinary people knowing all their weaknesses, all their flaws, all their strengths. He will take your personality, your traits, your characteristics, your temperament, all that, and He will mold and conform you into His image. And you will be of great value and asset to the kingdom of God. And you will glorify Jesus Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Jesus selected each of the twelve apostles for a purpose, and that purpose would echo down throughout the centuries to the present day. Not only would they act as His associate pastors during His earthly ministry, they would go on to build the church we have today. And in a message titled, Choosing the Twelve, Pastor Xavier explains how God has a unique purpose for all those that choose to follow Him. Simple truths he draws from our study in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3. Let's listen. The interesting thing, as I noticed, I just studied this chapter, and this passage just kind of jumped out at me, that how often we ourselves, we have our own preconceived ideas as to how God chooses men, why He chooses them, and who He chooses. But when we put our preconceived ideas and we put them next to Scripture, too often they break down. Because you and I usually look to others and those who are profound in speaking, and we say, well, you know, I can see why God chose him. I can see why God chose her. And without knowing it, we start building fences and limitations to the things that God would desire to do in our life. And so here in this passage from verses 13 on down to 19, we're going to see some things about how God chooses men. And hopefully we will be more open for God to use us and for God to reach others. The first thing I want to call your attention to is in verse 13. Jesus chose the twelve sovereignly. Notice that it says he chose those he himself wanted. When he pleases, to who he pleases, as he pleases. Now Luke 6, 12 tells us that Jesus spent the entire night in prayer before making this decision. What a tremendous teaching for us. That anything that we would do, any choices we make, especially when it comes to choosing a a mate for life, especially when it comes to where I'm going to work, where I'm going to live, where am I going to fellowship, who am I going to hang out, that we should submit all that to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That He may sovereignly choose those places for us because we no longer belong to ourselves, but we belong to Jesus Christ. But notice also that Jesus chose the twelve for a purpose. You may find it hard to believe, but God has not chosen you simply to keep you out of hell. Christianity is not fire insurance. It's far beyond that. Jesus has chosen you as he chose the twelve for a purpose. This is the why he has chosen us. Verses 14 and 15. Verse 14 says that he appointed the twelve that they might be with him. Stop and think about that for a minute. 
for companionship, for fellowship, in a close and personal relationship. God chose you not out of a limited choice. God chose you not because you were so talented, but God chose you because he desires to have companionship and fellowship with you. Now, is God lonely? No. God doesn't need anything outside of himself. He appointed them for fellowship, for the purpose of teaching them for a short time, to teach them about the age of grace which now had come. So first, he appointed the twelve that they might have fellowship, companionship with him. But secondly, that he might send them out to preach. Not just to be with him. Not just to have the benefits of Jesus Christ. But to be an extension of Jesus Christ. An extension of him. If all you are doing is receiving from God and not being an extension to him, then you're not biblical. And so he appointed them to send them out to preach. The word preach means to proclaim as a herald the good news of the kingdom. They were to be sent first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Matthew 10 tells us. Then later on they were to go out to the Gentiles. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 speaks of the Great Commission to all nations. And so they were to carry on the kingdom of God by proclaiming the message of the kingdom. So you come in from the multitudes showing your commitment to God that you want to separate yourself from the multitudes because you want to be one who to be sent out and not to hide. I, I don't like the word sanctuary because the word sanctuary implies a fleeing for protection. I hope you're not here just to be protected. I'd rather look at this, an auditorium like a cafeteria, a time of feeding, so you can get strong and go out to work. This isn't a sanctuary. This is a place where we open our hearts to God, that God's Spirit and His Word would deal with us to equip us for the work of ministry, to go out and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the lost world. And if that is not the driving motivation of our heart, then we are in it for ourselves. And we're really not in line with the plan of God. But notice that as he was sent them out to preach, they would have power to heal and the sick and to cast out demons. Now, the word power there in verse 15 is the word exousia. It means authority. It's not the word dunamis, power, but it's the word authority. God delegated authority to these apostles to preach the gospel. And when they came across sick people and people who were possessed, that they would lay hands on them and they would be healed and demons would come out. Did it happen all the time? No, I don't believe so. How often did it happen? As often as God wanted to act. In other words, God has given to us the delegated authority to preach the gospel and to declare that God in His sovereignty can heal 
and in fact even through us cast out demons. Why does it happen sometimes and not in other times? Because God is the one who activates that power for it to take place and not we of our own choosing. Let me show you something. Just mark this down in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4. The author to the book of Hebrews tells us something very, very important. And he calls witness to those apostles who had been sent out. And he said, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now mark this. According to his own will. According to his own will. I believe God can heal. I believe God can cast out demons through his people. And so when I preach the gospel, I preach with the authority delegated to me, but God is the one who works in the heart. When some of you are sick and you ask for prayer, I believe God can heal you, and I pray in faith. I lay hands on you, I anoint you with oil, and we pray. And then God acts as he wills. We're to come in faith, we're to pray in faith, and we're to leave the results to God. Be careful of the condemning doctrine that says it all depends upon your faith. Be careful of the condemning doctrine that lays the heavy trip on you and actually makes you out to be God. You recall Hezekiah? King Hezekiah was getting up in his years, but he was still... He considered himself in his prime. God sent the prophet to him and says, listen, get your house in order because I'm going to take you home. Hezekiah didn't like that. He turned his face to the wall and started pouting. And he was so persistent that God sent the prophet back and says, tell him he has 15 more years. Oh, Hezekiah was excited. Now, the people who lay the faith trip on you today are related to Hezekiah. See, he was persistent. He got what he wanted. Yes, but what he wanted wasn't the best. Because it was during those 15 years that to him was born King Manasseh, the most evil king of Israel. Kind of interesting, isn't it? At the same time, kind of scary. Can I persist so much on my will that God would let me have it? Heavy. It seems at least possible in the case of Hezekiah. I'm in no hurry to die. As ugly as it is around here, I kind of like it. But when God is done with me, I don't want to stick around one second later. Not one. God chose you for a purpose. The primary purpose God has chosen you and myself is for fellowship. Beyond anything else, He wants to spend time with you. 1 John 1, 3 and 4 says, This is the message that we have heard, that we have fellowship with Him, He with us, and us with each other. 
That we can come into an intimate, personal relationship with the Creator, the Savior of the world. And also we can come into a fellowship that goes far deeper than in the world. In the world I have fellowship with you if I kind of like you, if, if you kind of are good looking, if we hang around the same people, if we have the same kind of goals or whatever. But the minute you rub me the wrong way, forget you, get lost. And even in Christ, if we're not careful, we start looking at people that way. We got to be real careful, always checking our motivation. Because our flesh is still there, our sinful nature. And so the Word of God, the Spirit of God is continually dealing with me. God chose you to send you out to preach. First through your example of life. If it isn't there first, it isn't there at all. The requirements for a pastor, for an elder, for a deacon in 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus is the home. If it isn't in your life, then it isn't there at all. And so you preach the gospel by your life, by your home, by your family, by your marriage, by how you are parents, by how you are children to your parents. And then through the doors that God will open, you preach. Pray for those loved ones, for those friends, those people you work with, those people you're in contact with, and pray specifically by name. And you watch God open those doors. They'll be so obvious that, that if you don't walk through it, man, you will be miserable. And you know because you've done it, because I've done it. I know that I know that it was a door from God and I didn't walk through it. But it begins with prayer. You preach the gospel by serving the body. When you are involved in a church body, you are preaching the gospel and saying that you believe the full gospel, which is to others, not just to me. Read Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Body fitly joined together for the edification of the whole body, not for myself. And when you are involved in the church body and there is love and compassion and activity and things going on, people can look at the church and they say, that's a weird kind of church. They're going to come up with a definition of the church that is not normal for today. Because you believe the whole counsel of God. And it's not just for you, but it's for others. And so you serve, and you serve out of love, and you serve out of the talents and the gifts that God has given you. And you serve because you can do nothing but serve. But at the same time, He has sent you out as you preach. You will come in contact with people who are sick. And it will blow your mind the first time you ever pray for somebody. And they say, will you pray for me? And you go, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> and you prayed, and you didn't even, you just, uh, you know, you just... Didn't even, you prayed, and the guy got healed. And you were just kind of praying, Lord, uh, we just pray right now. And then the guy gets healed, and you go, yeah, well, see, you just have to trust God. <laughs> and you blow your mind. But then God will use that to teach you also, because next time somebody asks you to pray, you say, oh, yeah, come on, brother. Here, you grab that oil and <clears throat> right in the forehead, splat. Come on, let's pray. You pray, and nothing happens. And God humbles you. And he starts telling you the message, I'm on the throne, not you. But he will use you an extension to pray over people, they'll get healed. 
When? When God wants to. We act in faith, James 5, 15 and 16 says. And then in 17 he says, and remember Elijah, he was a man of like passions just like you. He uses ordinary people. Third and last, Jesus chose the 12 knowing who they were. This is the who, verses 16 all the way to half of 19. He chose men diverse in personalities. He chose men of diverse personalities. Simon was impetuous, impulsive, impatient, always putting his two feet in his mouth, and no wonder he was falling. Jesus didn't say, oh, no, no, Peter's okay, you know. I mean, he's going to get better. No, God says, Peter, bad, bad. But you know what? I'll take you. Because <laughs> I need someone like you. I created you. James and John were hotheads, sons of thunder. The Samaritans rejected Jesus and his witness. They said, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven, barbecue him? He said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are. Oh, okay, Lord. It must have been a riot to be with, if we could see the 12. You know, sometimes we, we, we have an idea of the 12 being so solemn walking around. You know, I can imagine Peter going like this, tripping them while they're walking along and hitting each other. There were men like you and I. No different. I mean, probably the only thing that held up, held up their halo was their horns. They were men and women like you and I. But they were different after they came to Christ. Thomas, Philip, they were individuals who seen was believing. Oh Lord, just show us the Father, it'll suffice us. <laughs> I won't believe till I feel the nail prints in his hand. Jesus knew that. He says, I need people like that. Interesting. If you stay only in that way without Christ, then it's bad. But God will take you that way and make it alive. He'll make it effective. Critical people for the things of God. He chose men diverse in social and economic levels. Just looking at this list, we don't have time to exhaust it all. But Peter, James, and John, they were fishermen, along with Andrew. James and John, they had a very prosperous business. Chapter 1, verse 20 says they had hired servants when they left home. Fishermen. Smelly fishermen. Always knew when they were coming to preach. <laughs> Matthew, a tax collector, considered a traitor and an enemy to his own people. Chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 tells us the call of Matthew. He left immediately. He was very wealthy. He threw a big party. He didn't take a collection. And many of his tax collector friends came to know Jesus Christ. Simon the Canaanite, the zealot, a radical, zealous Jew who belonged to the party of zealots who pledged their life to a revolutionist spirit, to anyone who would try to thwart or put down or cut off the dependency of Israel, of their independence. And here, God has a nerve to put a tax collector who is considered to be a traitor and an enemy and putting one who has sworn to kill people like him. And he puts them in the same group. 
Judas Iscariot, the son of perdition, the treasurer, the one who pilfered the bag, the box. Didn't Jesus know who he was? Of course he did. Why did he choose him? I have a better question for you. Why did he choose you? Why did he choose me? It was the wisest choice. So diverse. And yet God chose him for his glory. God chooses ordinary people knowing all their weaknesses, all their flaws, all their strengths. And yet as he has made you, don't try to be anybody else. He will take your personality, your traits, your characteristics, your temperament, all that. And he will mold it and shape it and temper it for his glory through the word and the spirit of God. And he will mold and conform you into his image by the spirit of God. And you will be of great value and asset to the kingdom of God. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be anybody else. Be yourself. And you will glorify Jesus Christ. Moses. You think God didn't know he stuttered? God said, Moses, I made the mouth. What are you worried about? He knew that he had killed somebody. And Moses is saying when he's walking away, oh, I wonder if he knows. He says, by the way, Moses, all the guys that were after you, they're all dead. Whew, okay, Lord. God knows everything. You need to recognize that God has chosen you knowing your personality, your character, your weaknesses, your flaws, and yet He will take those and use them for His glory and to keep you dependent upon Him. He's chosen you people. Get excited. You're a son and a daughter of God. You need to recognize that God has chosen you in a mixed group, socially and economically, to glorify Him. Some of you are single. Rejoice in the Lord that you're single. Don't be always saying, oh, man, if I was married. Then you're going to get married and say, oh, if I was single. <laughs> Rejoice where God has you. If you're a servant, serve there. If you're free, use it for the Lord, Paul says to the Corinthians. Use it where you're at. God knows where you're at. God knew where you were going to be. God wants to use you there. You can be so caught up in being single that you're not doing anything for the Lord. And you're just in your poor me's. Let me tell you, you want to add to your hurt, you take that choice. You'll regret it. Rest in the Lord. Some of you are married. And some of you are putting your family as an idol. And you're not serving the Lord. You're not being used of the Lord because of your family. You're going overboard. God will say to you, repent this morning. Get on with it. Some of you are single parents. And you say, well, you don't understand my conditions and that. And that's fine. It's difficult. But don't you think God knows your condition? It's no excuse not to serve Him. Then you've got to seek Him. And quit trying to use your circumstance to escape or justify your disobedience. Get up and go. Some of you are barely making it financially. Some of you are very well off. And God has called us all together that the work of God would be done here not by any one person, but that everybody would give of their own as God has prospered them, that as we look around and we see what God does, we cannot point to any person and say, boy, he did it all. No, look what God has done through us. That's what it's all about. That's what I read in the scriptures, nothing else. And so as we looked at this section of 
the choosing of the 12 by Jesus, there are some very practical lessons for all of us. Don't separate yourself from this. You can put yourself right in line with this. Jesus chose you sovereignly. Jesus chose you for a purpose. And Jesus chose you knowing you all together. So get up and go. And go as God sends you. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing the simple truths of Mark chapter 3 of a God who chose you even before you chose to follow Him. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truth study titled Choosing of the Twelve are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is simply Choosing of the Twelve, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 